Hi, and welcome to Season 2 of Big Sound Small Town, the podcast that spotlights the talented and diverse musicians in small towns and communities. This season, we're branching out to include the community of people who make it possible for musicians to be able to perform their music, the producers, the recording engineers, the venue owners, and many others, and as always, the small town musicians. Remember, small town doesn't mean small talent. Hear their stories. Kind of scaring me. small town is at Catawba Coffee Company in Mount Holly, North Carolina, and I'm with singer-songwriter Douglas Thompson. Hello, Douglas. Hey, Sandy. Glad to have you on the show. Oh, delighted to be here. Well, let's talk a little music. You're a singer-songwriter. Did you wake up one day and decide you could write songs? I mean, you know, how did that happen? It's, 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 fairly, uh, it's a fairly convoluted path. Um, I love that. When I was a kid, when I was a little kid, I liked uh, I liked the poetry of Rudyard Kipling yeah. and Robert Service. Okay, yeah. You know, the, yeah. all the Yukon yeah. stuff. And, oh, yeah, that's great stuff, uh, All that stuff, stuff really. reads like a song. Anyway, it does, it it's does. It's got meter, and, um, and I distinctly remember being in like, second grade, and my teacher gave me a choice. I could go out for recess, or I could stay inside and listen to records. And I stayed inside, and I was really enamored with this Burl Ives album. Burl Ives? Absolutely. <laughs> Goober Peas. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, I didn't know this uh, stuff. Uh, the Harmonious Sadly. Whale, I think, was another one. But anyway, there were, there were story songs. And right. for, for like, I don't know, I was like eight years old, nine years old, and I really, I really loved it. And I think that started my fascination with yeah. it. And I got into the string program. They had a, an orchestra program where I lived. In fourth grade, I started playing upright bass. Oh, okay, that's cool. So, I, I was, in the fourth grade, yeah. you actually were exposed to that. That's yep, excellent. yep. It was a half size bass, of course, oh, yeah, of but, course but but yeah, they had a full string program. And where um, would this have been at the time? What's that? What what part of the world would this have I been? I was living in Racine, Wisconsin. Okay, well, that's a pretty progressive city. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it was a big enough town, a city yeah. that, that you know they had stuff like that, and and. Uh, until my folks relocated three years later to a small town in northern Wisconsin that had no string. Program. I'm sure, 
So, but eventually I got, I, I, I found a bass fiddle and, and uh, probably my sophomore year in high school, I was starting to play that again. But then I also uh, got an electric bass. Yeah. And then I realized that the four strings on the electric bass were the, just the low, lowest strings on a guitar. True. So I got myself a guitar, a chord book. Yeah. And and at that time, you know, it was Bob Dylan and John sure. Prine and Christopherson yeah. and all those guys. And so, um, but but I really wanted I was I was I was a good bass player, and that's what I really wanted to do. And so my guitar playing was always just rudimentary. Just I I, I wanted to know some chords so I could write, sure. you know, yeah. try to write. And I wrote a ton of really really bad songs. You yeah. know, we all did. Every time I found a new songwriter, I would try to write everything just like him. Sure. You know. And uh, and I was bad at all of it, but I, I kept trying and I kept doing it. And and then I had a, a really bad car accident in my mid twenties, where my right hand was cut just about all the way off. Um, so I only have feeling in my thumb. The surgeon set this finger in this way so I could pick a guitar oh. with it. Oh, that's great! And um, he said he did that. Oh yeah, he was a smart man. You know, he found out I was a musician and a guitar player, and and he did his best for me. And uh, um. So I still played bass for years after that, but I wasn't as good as I had been. Right, I understand. Uh, I was smart, so I was still pretty good, but it, it wasn't the same. Right. So around that time, I started approaching the songwriting maybe a little more seriously, yeah. you know. And, and by my mid-30s, I was starting to get to where I felt, oh, right, I, this isn't bad, you know. Right. I, you know. And so I started playing them for other people, and I got some, some positive feedback. and. So more and more, <coughs> as, as a player, I started working on my songwriting more. Then, um, then our house burned down. What? That's a horrible thing. Well, it was a horrible thing. And, uh, but we had a friend in the Charlotte area who was leaving for Hong Kong for a three-year position. And uh, he had a house sitter lined up, and they, uh, they backed out at the last minute. And he heard about the fire. Right. And he knew my wife and I had visited back in 2004 and really loved the area. <laughs> he said, hey, you know, you want to come sit in our house for three years and see if maybe you'd like living down here? Yeah. Good introduction and a cheap way to do it. Yeah, and I so uh, we sat up all night talking and decided, well, okay, let's do it. And so my kids were old enough, you know, one was married, one was in college. Uh, it's not like they needed their dad around every right, day exactly. anymore, and so bam, we we came down here. We lived in we lived in Charlotte for for a few years, and, and uh, the, the, the city's great. Met a lot of nice people, but the traffic's insane. Oh, it's insane. And I'm a small town boy. That yeah. little town in Wisconsin where I'd been living with 5,000 people. So so we looked around, and we actually settled. We're we're in Denver. Denver, yeah, I know all about it. So, um, which is just a hop, skip, and a jump from Mount Holly, so um, it's all back roads, and so it's just like kind of being back home, except people say y'all. Yeah, they uh, say y'all, and the weather's, mm. although 40 degrees and rain is about as bad as yeah, the weather but, gets anywhere. Yeah, we've been here since 2012, and uh, we're, we're definitely, uh, we definitely love the area. Were you were you playing in bands at this time, too? As a, you know, you, I, I had... It wasn't a big market for original music in central Wisconsin at the time, although, oddly enough, it's gotten better since I've left. I wonder what that means. But, um, uh, yeah, we'll let that but the whole coffee house thing, it's, right. it's it, everywhere it, now. It is. It's, it is. it's permeated up there, too. And, and uh, but, but before I left, it, it hadn't been like that at right. all. And so I had, 
Um, I played cover bands mostly, um, country rock, western swing, um, kind of stuff. As a bass um, player? Yeah. Yeah. I did a three-year stint in a wedding band um, when when my babies were born. Right. Because I needed to. The money. money. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've done so, the same. And I hated it, but uh, it was the best money I yeah. ever made playing uh, music I, in my I life. Agree. It's a, it is one of the one of the great money makers as a musician. But we had, you know, we had, we had great times and, 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 and wonderful bands with names like uh, Country Roy and the Mugs, um, <laughs> Dr. Sax and the Maniacs. That was uh, a good funny. one. Yeah, that's uh, and. Uh, the Dumb Professors. <laughs> and then the last band before I left, we were called Three Clowns, No Circus. So, um, yeah, that's pretty funny. And that, stuff. No, at that time, uh, we, were, we were a trio, as you might imagine, and that was pretty much all my own music. No, then, by then. And, and we played maybe five gigs. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Total. I do, I do understand. But, um, but I, at, the, at the same time, I had been working managing group homes for folks with developmental disabled, yeah. uh, disabilities, and so and I really didn't have time to gig. Um, I, I, I was working crazy schedules, and um, so music had really gone in the back burner. And so when we moved down here, I was able to start exploring that more. And at first, I was pretty intimidated because everybody's so good. Where, where did you go first when you were here seeking out music? Uh, the Comet Grill. Yeah, the Comet. Yeah. I actually had met Tom Kuhn. Yeah, um, I met Tom. In a previous visit, and so Tommy was about the only person I knew in the city. So we would go see him play on Tuesday nights at the Comet, and um, kind of branched out a little more. Um, there's a couple of blues guys. Um, do you remember a guy named Sonny Skies? I, know, I, I, know, I don't know him, but, but I But you know, know the name? I do. Sonny had a really big open mic at Dilworth Billiards called Thunder Thursdays. And uh, he used to always, like, bug me to come out. And, and but we got to be buddies, you know, even though I was this folk singer and he was right. this, like, R&B guy. But we were, we were pretty good friends. And um, he liked my songs and he kept saying, you should come out and play it. That's pretty intimidating because those guitar players are all yeah, yeah, really they are. good. Yeah, they are. And so finally I did go out and um, he was right. I had a great time. A couple horn players got up and sat in with me and it was a lot of fun. And So that was really encouraging. I was like, yeah. okay, well maybe. And Bill Miller, the same thing. He had a really great blues jam at the Bonefish Grill down in Matthews. And, and he... he um, he did the same thing. He said, man, you got to come out and play. We're trying to open it up so it's not just all blues players. So, right. yeah. so I went and met a lot of really nice people. And um, That was pretty much the start. It was. Well, this is a hilarious story. Um, I, I have this song called The Day Spade Cooley Died yeah. about the, the fiddle player. Yeah. And uh, I'm a fiddler, so you know I know It's that. quite a story. Um, just, just you know, just the murder and, and the prison time and, and all of that. And uh, <laughs> I finished the song, and there was like just a little smattering of applause. You know, there's you know, the lights and, and but I could I could look out the crowd. I'm like, I must have hated this. And I look, but all I can see is everybody has their phones out. And I said over the mic, I said, oh, I get it. You guys are Googling Spade Cooley <laughs> to see if I was lying. And they all were. They all were. The whole, Even the sound man. He's like, where, yeah, where busted. This, where was this at? There was a place called the, Bone, the Bad Fish Grill okay. in Matthews. Okay. And uh, it, it was, that's, that's it was funny. pretty funny. Yeah, that's funny. That, that's really funny. 
So then I started, you know, uh, playing a lot of the open mics. Uh, Freeman's Pub had a songwriter's Gaston, night. Yeah. And uh, I really got to meet a lot of people yeah, there. Lot, they were, that's been a place that's been real good about allowing songwriters to come Fantastic. in. Fantastic. Yeah, that, that event Perfect so place good. to get your craft down. Yep. You know, an uh, audience that's kind to songwriters. Absolutely, you could if it was something new that you weren't sure of, you could play it there. Yeah, and, uh, I agree. and that's how I met Wes and Shane, uh, Wes Cobb and Shane Combs and West Art Video and those folks. And I've worked with them over time. And uh, I did a then I did a live album at the Evening Muse, which Wes and Shane were kind enough to videotape for me. So I've got YouTube videos of that show and and a live record from it, which was. Which which turned out pretty good. Did, and, did you uh, play that along or by yourself, or did you have players with you? I had players with me. Uh, Eric Lovell played guitar and sure. produced the project, and his wife Gigi did some singing, and uh, Tom Coon played some mandolin. You you, I, I, this was before your time, but they had a hot band, the three of them, called the Rank Outsiders. I've absolutely heard some of the oh. Rank Outsiders material, <laughs> they were, and they that were. was the golden era. I know oh, that was what the nineties. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that that. Uh, that was quite a. Dave Childers was roaring yeah, there. And Michael was. Reno Harrell was yeah. in town. Oh, yeah. and, uh, it was a, um, a a fun part of Charlotte music history, no doubt. I've, I've been lucky. I've seen some double door black and white videos yeah. of some of the shows, and there's a great CD that I think they did at the yeah, double door on a did. Sunday that's got the Rank Outsiders and and Lenny Federal's band yeah, and uh, oh, yeah, Dave maybe. and Michael doing it. Pretty yeah. neat stuff, great, great music. And, yeah. and, uh, and uh, it, I've always wondered why all those guys weren't more famous and rich. You know, and, and I don't, I, that was probably, probably one of the prime times of Charlotte music. I mean, the double door was rolling, the Charlotte bands were good. Uh, uh, and, you know, all those people are still around playing. Uh, Absolutely, Bill Noonan. I yeah, see Bill, Bill once in a yeah. while, and, and boy, what a great, great player he is. He and is. Good songwriter too. Amazing songwriter. Get off my land. Yeah. Classic. And so, yeah, I, I, I was just really lucky to, to to start meeting some of those folks. And, yeah, those are good people to meet. And I met Dave Childers. I came and did a song swap with him right here um, really? at, at the at the yeah. shop here in two thousand. 13, and um, I was really nervous because uh, I, I, I visited in 2004 and had took a copy of that Room 23 album home with oh, me yeah. and wore it out, you know. And thought this man is a genius, you know. He should be, he should be famous. And and then fast forward, I'm sitting next to him trading the songs. I kept forgetting to tune and. <laughs> I was real nervous, and but uh, he kept giving me other chances, and you know we did some more shows together, and uh, spent a little time a couple of years ago. We'd get together every Wednesday and and for songwriting sessions, sure. did that like four or five Wednesdays, and got a couple of pretty good songs out of it, and it's been a great friendship, you know. That's and uh, but Dave's a, a, a real mentor to. to very All the songwriters, yeah, he, amazing yes, writer, uh, truly, uh, truly one of America's finest songwriters, I think, oh, I uh, in Plus my opinion. he turns up uh, supporting local radio, I mean, he's, he's good for the community, he's good for the small towns, as well as being a North Carolina treasure. Absolutely, and he loves Mount Holly, and he loves having music 
like this here in his hometown, and it, it was his idea to start having the music here at Catawba, and he was rolling up to doing it every Friday, and then he got real busy with that yeah, record a couple did, of years ago, yeah. and so he asked me if I would be interested in, in taking over. And I did. I, I don't work. I, I'm on disability because of a back issue. So, um, yeah, it gave me something to do. And so, do you still host this? Yeah, we expanded it to Saturdays, too. Okay. So we've got a lot of songwriter rounds um, here. Um, but occasionally a band will come in, like uh, like Cleveco did. Yeah. If it's a band that does all original material, yeah. they're, they're sure welcome to come in and, and unplug like you guys did. And you, yeah. you sounded so great. And, um and so we've had had a few more of those come through too. Um, the, the occasional odd touring uh, musician might pop through. Right. They've got a gig at some point in the weekend in Charlotte. They might do a Friday or a Saturday right. here Something at the shop. It up. Yeah. But um, it's a great great atmosphere. The acoustics are wonderful in the room, and and the people that come out understand what they're here for. And so the audiences are so attentive. I thought so they quiet. were when we played here. I mean, you can hear it. It's the literal pin drop kind of situation. I've been in here with 50 people packed in here for a show wow. with Dave. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. If it's a quiet song, you won't hear it. That is, that is an unusual circumstance. So I mean, unusual. And I mean, uh, even the baristas are great about waiting for the end of the song before they do any grinding. Um, so it, it, it's it's and, and you can't say enough about Joe and Irene Farr who run the, the shop because they, uh, I think they probably lose money on every show, um, but they they um, are so intent on keeping the shop as a cultural center for this little town and yes. and and this original music thing that they have going is very important to them and so they've been really really well, supportive of me and my ideas and. That's the thing great. about musicians is it takes a community for musicians to even to to thrive, but even to exist. I mean, without listeners, without places to play, you, may, you all you would have was playing either for friends or playing by yourself at home. Absolutely. So um, there's nothing more fulfilling than to and nerve-wracking than to do your songs for people. I mean, it's harder for me personally to do my songs for people I know and love than it is for complete strangers. Right. I, I don't know why, and I've been doing it, and they've been hearing them for years, but it always makes me nervous. Yeah. I'm telling you that, maybe because they know you a little better, yeah, and the strangers, I mean, they have no idea what true. you've been through or where that stuff comes from. But um, Yeah, tell me about your songwriting process. Tell me how you do that. Yeah, you know, I, I, I wish I knew. Um, and a lot of... We're going with that because that's the case with a lot of songwriters. It, it's always been a case of an idea first, you know, um, the, and almost exclusively a lyrical idea. Um, a, a little phrase will come or something. I, I might have a story uh, in, on my mind, a story that I want to tell, but generally there's going to be a line, either a... It might end up as a chorus line, it might end up as a hook, it might not even be all that important a line, but it's where the song starts anyway, and that's and that gets it going. And then, and then uh, over the years, of course, it, it's you know I've been doing this so long now, it's second nature. But I, I, I've learned that the idea will come. I can't force them. No. I've tried yes. and, and written you know some really mediocre yeah, I sit bad in rooms songs and wrote with people where you had. This is what you're doing today, which is um, 
Some shoes are not that productive. And I know some people can thrive like that. Do I you know. Co do you co-write often? Not often. Yeah. I've done it with David. Yeah. Uh, a couple other people. Um, generally, the closest I'll get is somebody will give me a title. Say, hey, write this song. Right, you know, right. that's kind of like. <coughs> It's kind of like somebody giving you a punchline and asking you to write the joke that sets it up. Yeah, yeah, it you is. Know? And that's why my dog hates cabbage. And then you got to like. And you got to sit that so, up. Yeah. And it, it's actually worked out. I've gotten a couple of I've gotten a couple of tunes that way, but I think for the most part, I, I, I'm not at the point where I, I'm. I'm seeking that kind of partnership right. out. And I don't know how good I am at it. Um, if the person I'm writing with is a strong writer, I was like Dave. Like writing with Dave was, was pretty much, okay, got any ideas? Right. And um, I'd, I'd, have well, an, I'd have some ideas. And, right and some of them, right he'd like them. Right. Uh, some of them, he was always very oh. diplomatic. He'd, he'd, I'd give him an idea and he'd look at it. And he'd either go, hmm, I think I could do something with this, and put it over there. Then he'd look at another idea, and he'd go, hmm, why don't you write this one yourself? <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. Uh, that might be that legal background of his coming through there. Very diplomatic. But, but um, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the idea. Um, I don't know if you find this. The older I get, ideas don't come as easily as they used to, probably because I've already maybe addressed a lot of the things that people also, deal with. Also, let me ask you this, and this is one of, the, this is one of my beliefs. You're pretty happy these days, right? <laughs> you realize that once, if your life is going well, there's not as much stuff to write about. <laughs> That's very true. And as you get older, your life does, to a degree, improve when you no longer have to worry about supporting a family quite the way you did or going to work in the morning. I mean, I mean, it does change as you, as you get older. But, I, you know, there's plenty of people in bad situations that I'm sure can still write well. And I have, luckily I'm blessed with a, with a great ability to hold grudges. That's great. See, that's got, that helps. I've got a deep well to, to draw from. Well, I mean... I have theories, all kinds of theories about songwriters. You know, uh, if they were that great of people, they wouldn't be able to write the songs that they do. I mean, there, there's a flaw in there somewhere. You know, and I'm talking about myself, but still. I'm, uh, my wife uh, told me one time that uh, it, I would mess my life up just to have something to write about. And for a while, that was probably true. Well, it almost felt like I would do that, you know. Uh, I don't know if I was, I, and I, I don't think I was intentionally sabotaging myself. Um, I don't think it's intentional. I, I was just in a, in a, in a spiral, you know. Right. I'll tell you what, after cutting your hand, when you're a pretty good bass player and you, you yeah. cut your hand off, and you're realizing that you're never going to play the bass mm. like you could. Yeah. It did, it, it, it and, and the worst part of it was, not only did I go into the spiral of depression for a good twenty years. Oh, yeah, I'm sure I would with it. I didn't realize it. Oh, so yeah. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't seek help. Right. I didn't go look. You know, I just self-medicated, right. and uh, 
and acted like a, an asshole. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah. turned into a pretty bad husband. It cost yeah. me, you know, my first marriage. And, sure. Um, I mean, I do understand that. That that is a bit of that life too. But then you compound it with your hand injury, and then you've yeah. just. And so, luckily, a couple of years later, I had kids, and and that started pulling me out of it because I I had to function. You know, I yeah, had to, yeah. I couldn't go to jail. Right, I <laughs> understand. There are things like that. You, know, you got to pay your child support, and um, want to take your kid to the game, and all that kind of stuff. And so that helped me a lot. But it really is just over time, I, I came to realize what what it had done to me, right. and and what I had let it do, and. So I mean, there, there's really there's there's such a, a long history behind me of, of mistakes that I've got a, I've got a lot of stuff to write about. But the trouble is, you can only write about that stuff so much, and you're repeating yourself. And yeah, it's, this is true. So you're always me. I'm always looking for some kind of fresh idea, fresh perspective. Um, you know, it might might be a, a, an event from history, or it might be a person in the news, or. Uh, you just got to keep your head cocked. You know, last year was a good year. I wrote about a dozen songs. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'll hit that this year. I might hit seven. Well, you know, I, I have a large category, and I think I'm like most songwriters. I'm in a bad, bad place. I'm running third in a two-man race. I've got a bad, bad feeling I'm in a bad, bad place I'm in a bad, bad place I'm running third in a two-man race I've got a bad, bad feeling I'm in a bad, bad place I took a few wrong turns I went to church, but all I learned Was do it to others or they'll do it to you And I'm in a bad, bad place I had a real-life saint for a mother I had a An altar boy, tell me how did I turn out so bad? Now if I'm locked up in a basement or flying through outer space, I never get complacent, baby, cause I'm in a bad, bad place. You know, it makes you wonder, too. Uh, I write stuff sometimes and go back and revisit it or wake up and realize, did I really write that? You know, I don't I don't actually... It makes me wonder where I was at at that time, you know? And, and some of the stuff that I like or have had success with, I wondered to myself, how, how actually did I do that? Because I... I Obviously, I haven't repeated it a lot, so 
it does make you wonder. You know, I, I, Bob is right about that, about wondering who that guy was. Yeah. I, I, I certainly can see it in my own stuff, you know, and it's not, not that I'd compare myself to Bob Dylan on any level, but I do. I've got songs that are 30 years old that I still play. Yeah. But I... I I kind of what I, you know. Yeah, I do too. I do the same. What was I thinking when I wrote that line? You know, how did that even occur to me? And, you know, that's. Bob did change my life as a musician. I, I grew up in a blues background, and I had a cousin in New York who came home for Thanksgiving with a copy of the Free Will and Bob Dylan. That yeah. changed my whole entire life. You know, I realized you could write songs. You didn't have to sing that well, and you could write whatever you wanted to. Yeah, for me, it was that Greatest Hits Volume 2. Yeah, that's record. good. Man, yeah. that's got yeah. such a such an overview, uh, and it's all there, you know. It's just simple acoustic stuff to some really rocking electric stuff. And yeah, there it is. Probably stuck in, I was 13, stuck inside a mobile. It was like, oh, that's great. That's great, oh. yeah. I mean, so many, so many of his teams were just... Fabulous. He set a pretty high standard for songwriters. He did. He did. Showed us all how to do it. Yep. Oh, yeah. But the main thing I learned was don't try to copy him. <laughs> well, no, no. Well, <laughs> people, sometimes I help people. I, I don't co-write much. I'm more of a song fixer for people mm -hmm. or helper with 13 verses will not work for you. It might work for Bob, but it is not working for you, you know? Bob can, can sing about something that makes no sense at all, it won't work for you. You know, right, I mean, right. that's, that's my takeaway from it because um, they'll listen to Bob for 13 verses, but they'll not listen to you. They'll go get up and <laughs> be gone with it, you know. Plus, then the record industry messes that up too for most people. You know, yeah, cut that down three or four verses and get it into a two and a half, three minute format, and I'll listen to it. I had, a, I had a cousin who's about five years older than me, a wonderful artist, um, works uh, to this day as a political cartoonist. Um, what a cool job. Plenty of material these days. Oh, yeah, he's wearing him out. But um, I remember, I was, I was probably about 19, you know, and I played him this song I wrote, and it went on and on and on, and, and uh, I finished it, put his, put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, Doug, Songs have choruses for a reason. <laughs> yeah, you should remember that. Choruses, hooks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it, it is sad that an industry has kind of put a parameters and limits on songs, but I guess there is a reason for that. And, and you know, and, and, and really, I, I think probably. For most of the writers, I you know, and I do know a lot that are chasing the brass ring. Yeah, I know a lot, lot, I know a lot of those. They're younger than me. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't have any illusions about any of that. I'm just trying to make art at this yeah, point. Exactly. You know, I, I just want to. Sure. And as far as recording things like that, that that's for my kids and my grandkids yeah. to have something. You know, exactly. Like snapshot of grandpa. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh yeah. That's, oh yeah. It's my grandpa. He wrote songs. Yeah. Um, but I do, you know, in the live setting, when you're able to play them for people, my goal is just to engage them, you know, and if, if, if they'll listen, they'll think, they'll laugh, mm -hmm. um, then, I'm, then I'm winning. You know, yeah, that, that's, that's the whole 
It's the whole point of what I'm doing. I, 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 a little money is great, but right. I, I'm not expecting to get rich doing this. Oh, yeah. and and you I, don't and have to be in the music business long if you've ever yeah. really been in it to realize that you're not going to get rich in the music business. No, how to if make you're a million doing, bucks in the music doing, business, yeah. start with $10 million. Well, yeah. I mean, what they say? Musicians are the only people that will put $10,000 worth of equipment in a $1,000 car and drive 200 miles to make 50 bucks. Right. I mean, that's the truth. It is. It's a horrible and even, and even if you do it in a high level, then it's still a traveling second, third shift job with no benefits and um, too much time on your hands to get yourself in trouble. Oh, absolutely. Hotels lose their charm really fast. Mm. Uh, Laundry mats. Laundry mats. <laughs> oh, geez. You know, I mean, if you have time for that, otherwise you're washing your socks in the yeah, sink. Yeah, exactly. So, but but, I I like to see people doing it for the craft of it. They generally and, turn out to be better writers. Um, absolutely. As soon as you start, as soon as you start worrying about just wanting to make something that you think is good and will last for you, you lose that burden of people's expectations and, and all those. And that stuff colors your work in a in a very false way, you know. Instead of instead of like instead of saying, "Well, this is how Sandy feels about this. Exactly. This is my take on things." I'm like, "Well, how do how do I take my take and make it palpable to yeah. a bunch more people?" And it all gets watered down, and it does, and and you end up with bad liquor or or, you do. or bad weed or you know bad food, whatever it is. If you're gonna keep stepping on it, and stepping on it to try to make True. Other people like it. I can, I, I've never. I do believe that choosing your words and crafting your songs or rewriting or your songs is pretty important. But once you go into designing every word to fit about a song so that it will be a commercial success, and it may wind up being it's a, it's a heartless song. Oh, I mean, yeah. Then all of a sudden you're just yeah. But. But there, but there is a craft to it. I mean, without a doubt. Absolutely. And if there are people, if that is your ultimate goal, if that's what, if that's what you want to do, if you want to make music that's going to appeal to as many people as possible, I don't put that down. No, know, I, I don't I, either. And I, I do understand that that's in its own way a, a talent and a craft. It and, is. And uh, I might stop short of calling it art, but. Uh, to some people, it is art. So what can you say? Art's so subjective. It is. It is. All, all of the arts, from music to it's like it's like competitions too. I, I I personally do not believe that music is a competition. It should never be a competition. There's plenty of room for everybody. Well, and and really, how can you how can you judge? How how the hell do you judge music? Yeah, I mean, how do you? Especially since the person next to you just might think that song is the greatest song ever written, and you happen to think it's a piece of garbage. Oh, well, and the thing is, that is one of the things I've learned over the years. Somewhere, somebody thinks some song that you absolutely hate is the best thing they've ever heard. Of course, that's a good reason for me to continue doing it, too. <laughs> you know? I, mean, I mean, there's a possibility that something I wrote sometime would... Uh, touch somebody and and, and and that's part of the reason why there have been times when I've been kind of reluctant to even 
play my stuff for people because it, it's uh, it's always been really clear to me that a lot of the stuff that I love, people hate. Yeah. So if I was going to ask you how you decide what songs you're going to do on the show. At this point, it's all whatever I feel like. Yeah. I've got I've got a pool of maybe at any time 30, 35 that I feel pretty comfortable yeah. with. Yeah. Um, if I start trying to get deeper into the catalog than that, rem remembering lyrics could be an issue. Oh, it might. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't I, have the big book. No, and I don't have an iPad with me. I probably so. should, though, because a lot of times I rewrite the song as I do it because I cannot remember the original line. I mean, I've heard that so many times. Sandy. That's not even right words to your own song. Well, I can't remember. I've got all the lyrics cataloged. Oh, that, I do but too. I don't, yeah, I don't haul them around with me. No, so. I don't go out looking at them before I leave. I mean, and, you know. and I'm like anybody else. I'm sure the the newest ones are my favorites. Yeah. You know, if I've got one that I've been hammering on for a while and I think is finished, that's the one I'm probably going to want to play the most. I but. asked Steve Earle once what his favorite song was. The next one I'm going to yeah. write. Yeah. So I mean, and I. I because I play here a lot, what I try to do is just really mix them up. Yeah. You know, I'll try to not be doing the same song two shows in a row. Um, some there are, you know, and, and, and I'll get requests. You thought and about and coming up to Cleveland County and play? I, I don't. I've talked to Kevin a little bit about seeing if we could find something over there. Dragonfly but. would work really well. Maybe, maybe I'll get Kevin and... Well, one of the things we are going to do at some point is get the artists together who, who've done the podcast and have a swap, you know. Oh, that'd be fun. You know, so well, that is in the fun. plans for the early part of next year. But I, uh, you know, let's just pause it. Well, I went downtown just the other night To look around and see the sights Now I don't want to sound naive or dumb but the buildings ain't as tall where I come from Heard a couple of us not sure what about The guy mumbled something then I heard a woman shout You gotta have a bucket of duck You gotta have the juice and the goose You gotta have a pluck and the duck Gotta have juice in the goose. If that robin ain't throbbing, you gotta have pluck in the duck. I wasn't sure I heard her right after all. They were yelling, having a fight, so I just walked on, cause the night was young. And I was on the lookout for a little fun. Past a bar with an open door, I heard the same damn couple that I heard before. She said, You gotta have pluck in the duck. You gotta have juice in the goose. You gotta have pluck in the duck. You gotta have juice in the goose. All right, I'm back with Douglas Thompson, drinking coffee, telling tales like we do. Um, so, what do you see with the future? With your, where, where are you going with your, your songwriting? I'm just trying to get better. Um, I've got a, I've got a record that's that's 90% done. Um, did I see an article somewhere that said, uh, is it time for Douglas Thompson to do a new Mark Kemp album? was really nice. He, 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 
somebody had bugged him to, to check out my 2014 record, and, and he checked it out. I got a phone call from him out of the blue. That's when creative he was working for Creative Pretty Loafing yeah. still. And uh, he said, he goes, man, let's, let's, I'd like to do an interview with you. And, and so he was, he was real kind about the record and, and asking about whether I had plans for another one. And, and you know they're expensive, and yes, people do. don't buy them anyway. True, and so don't. it's kind of hard to be a, a working-class guy and justify spending that kind of money. But, you know, I've, I've been at it and putting aside my gig money. And so, like I said, about 90%, 90% done with it. I'm hoping it's out by spring. Good. Um, it's going to be about a dozen songs. And, uh, and in fact, if you want for the for the podcast, I'll email you uh, one of the tracks. Yes, I was going to ask you for something like that. Anyway. Absolutely, I could do that. Yeah. So you could give, have a little like sneak peek right. of what's oh, yeah. going to be going on. Uh, well, I don't give people's whole songs away. I never do that. I run a snippet, tell them where they can get it. That way, it's a teaser to them. Awesome. And, and it's uh, as little. As little as we make on stuff these days, I'm certainly not giving it to anybody. So, you know. However, I do want I do want people to hear what you do. A little publicity is great it too, is. and um, and uh, it's so yeah. And I'm, and I'm gonna one thing about doing these Catawba coffee shows is uh, they work so well for me is because they're 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 total they're total acoustic, and so there's no there's no amplifiers. Uh, I've got a really bad back. Um, oh, yeah. So hauling even my little PA system can can be tough some days. So best I remember, you don't even need a PA in here. No, do we you? don't. It's yeah. it's a it's a beautiful sounding room. Um, Plus the people listen. Therefore, you don't right. really have to. Yeah, give up. It's just, we're not competing with uh, with a lot of conversation. So I love playing here, and and I love other songwriters, and so the fact that I can get so many of them a place to to play and yeah. and and even make a little money at what they do. Um, it's real gratifying to me. I'm, uh, I, I, love, I like encouraging the younger songwriters. You yes, know, it's, that's it's, right. It's real important. Dave and I have talked about this a lot, that, that it's, it's really just good to know that even after we're done doing it, there's other people that are, are continuing you know, that, that tradition of, of, of a wooden guitar and just telling people what sure. you're thinking about it. So, um, and uh, I, I just... Uh, yeah, I, I, I just want to keep being alive and able to do it for at least a few more years. Oh, and, I hope uh, you are. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to all the new stuff. I researched hard on all the old stuff, so I'm looking forward to the, to the new stuff, to hear what's going on. And I, I know that you'll continue to write. Absolutely. I, yeah, I won't shut up yet. Yeah. And, uh, and as you will. And I'm, I'm looking forward to getting you down here to do a, I would love to do to. a, a show. And, sure. Uh, and uh, I wish you continued success with the podcast. Thank you. I, it's I going it's, uh, well. If we can, we're, you're actually a part of the branching out. It's it's uh, there's still plenty of Cleveland County musicians, but uh, there's a lot of small towns with a lot of good musicians, a lot of original songwriters, a lot of people doing good stuff in small towns, and people need to know about it. So well, you're the I, first of this, and I hope that we'll run maybe a Mount Holly edition or fantastic, you know, well, a yeah. Denver edition. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't figured it out totally. But thank you, and thank you for taking the time to be my guest. Absolutely, my pleasure, Sandy. Uh, you know, like I said, it's good knowing you, and I've been a fan of your band and your music, and and uh, 
and I'm just looking forward to hearing more of what you do and, 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 and really continued success with the podcast. Oh, thank and, uh, you. Let's keep rocking as All long right. as we can. That sounds good. It's my right, pl- it was my pleasure. Feels like rain in a northern place where the skies swirling shades of gray. But I know where the sun shines down on a northern girl. In a southern town The wind is raw Even the air is hard The land up here Has been torn and scarred The miners took away Everything they could Lumber company made paper from wood, and it feels like rain.